Kwaba. Welcome back to the Team Ghana U podcast, by size where you receive news, updates, discussion, and everything significant football and Ghana related. As always, I want you, the listeners, to be at involved by tweeting or emailing us for discussion or wanting more information. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to all my fellow Ghanaians or those who are adopted Ghanaians um, and have an interest in the podcast. Um, today, I actually wanted to have a conversation based on. I'm going to say, like, sorry, this is just, a bit ad hoc in some respect, but it's in regards to, I'll say the education. No, my question is, I'm trying to think as to why ex-Ghanaian footballers or those who have come out of this generation who are newly retired are probably not involved in probably more ownership models of, of clubs. And I'm not too sure. That might be the case actually in Ghana. I'm not too sure. I don't think that is the case. Um, but those who have played in Europe would have amassed and I'm not pocket watching, would have amassed um, a certain amount of wealth. And you would think they, no, sorry, you would think, again, this is an assumption, that they may have an interest in um, evolving in this football industry um, as to becoming coaches, which some are doing, some, of, some, um, some sorry, um, becoming directors, which some may or may have not, and then obviously becoming owners. Um, and... I guess, I, I'm not too sure what my reasons were, but I think my reasons were as to the evolution of Ghanaian football. Um, but how that came about, my thoughts, were as to um, our most recent articles. So I do apologise. For the past couple of months, I haven't really been active by way of actually putting up articles. Um, and, and, and in some respect, the podcast um, has been a little bit late a few times as well. But unfortunately, I've been a little bit busy with some other things, which hopefully will now manifest itself in the platform obviously growing um but i like to believe i'm back now anyway um by way of um, consistency and posting and 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 delivering these podcasts on time but again my thoughts kind of emanated from almost like a summary of all three articles so what i'm going to do very very quickly i'm going to go over the almost the dear diary one um which is kind of what i want for 2023 um i don't think it's general uh, but let me read it and then i'll kind of like add my views to it so dear diary Today I want to reflect on the expectations of Ghanaian football. As a nation with a rich footballing history, there's no doubt Ghanaians have high hopes for the sport. However, as the years have passed, the nation's team performances have been inconsistent and it seems we have not been able to meet the expectations set for us. So, what should the expectations be for Ghanaian football? A nation which has birthed some of the continent's most decorated players. A nation which has been crowned under-17 and under-20s world champions and unprecedented three times, sorry, and Champions of Africa on four occasions. Our last crowning glory was in 1982. First and foremost, I believe that we should aim to be a dominant force in African football. We may desire or require more modern infrastructure, but we have the talent and resources to compete at the highest level, and it's time for us to showcase this on the continental stage. Additionally, we should aim to qualify for every major tournament and compete with the best teams in the world. We have done this before, reaching a round of 16 in 2006 at the World Cup and in 2010 a whisker away from a historic semi-final against the Netherlands. We should strive to achieve this level of success again. However, it's essential to remember that success is not just about winning, it's about developing young talent, education, on and off the field, creating strong football structure and promoting fair play and sportsmanship. Ghana should aim to be a model for other African nations in this regard, both on and off the field. In summary, the expectations for Ghanaian football should be high, but realistic. We should aim to be a dominant force in African football, qualify for every major international tournament and promote fair play and sportsmanship. With hard work, dedication and commitment to excellence, I believe we can achieve these goals and bring pride to our nation. Signed and dated the 23rd of the 4th, 2023.
Now, actually, reading that back, I don't think that was that bad, to be fair. Um, I wasn't specific in regards to maybe um, um, Chris Hewton or even the, the previous... Um, um, I don't say the previous manager, we're talking about Otto Addo, but I'm talking about the World Cup in which we just had, which I know we finished bottom of our group, but actually, I don't know, there was, I, I know there were some people a little bit disappointed with the result, but there was me, I was a bit happy with the result, um, as in like, for me, it was the first time I've seen maybe a little bit of identity by the way we play. And I think if you look back at his journey, he came in obviously after what was um, a bad period of time and he made us qualify for the World Cup and took us to the World Cup, obviously. And then we, I mean, we were with a whisker, obviously, qualifying for the next round. Well, I say a whisker, but I mean, we could have qualified for the next round. But I'm going to go back to the initial question, which was, why don't we see more players probably involved in ownership models? Um, and with that, I'm going to go over some of our other articles that we've actually published over the past couple of weeks or past week or so. So let me just come out of this tab here and go over it. So the first article was... No, 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 sorry. So this article was written in January the 29th, 2023. So it was the rethinking of... Sorry, the rethinking... Sorry. Rethinking the valuation of soccer clubs in Ghana. Or in general, but it was in relation to Ghana. So I'm going to read a couple of paragraphs. Uh, and then I'm going to move on to the next article. I felt this was important. Because in, in the, the, the previous um, podcast we did was about Ghanaian football. And essentially the development models and so on and so forth. So I feel it was important that... We touch on maybe we go back a little bit for we go back sorry we go back to go forward. In Ghana, like elsewhere in Africa, the enormous popularity of football and its transformation globally has revolutionised the economics, culture, and politics of the game. Numerous football associations and football clubs integral to the continent's heritage are on the rise. Some with huge fan bases are said to be uniquely valuable. However, endemic corruption, maladministration, and a lack of accountability has negatively impacted the progress of others. The point can thus be legitimate that Africa's problem stems from systemic and institutionalised issues with its football administration structures. No doubt watching Kylian Mbappe in Ligue 1 or the Champions League is more appealing than watching some of the domestic football in Africa. Yet today, the game is encouraging new investors and stakeholders interested in investing in the game and with a club to the one important fact that the continent is making progress, with countries like Ghana presenting promising opportunities. Football is turned into a billion dollar industry... Okay, in fact, sorry... That last sentence, I thought, was really, really important um, and goes back to why why haven't we seen um, players who have come out of the game um, probably invest in clubs or in, pro in, more, in more prominent roles, um, whether it's directorship, etc., etc., etc. And again, I'm going to repeat that last sentence, which was, yet today, the game is encouraging new investors and stakeholders interested in investing in the game with, and with a club to the one important fact that their continent is making progress with countries like Ghana presenting promising opportunities. Now, I want this to almost be quite a holistic conversation. So I spoke about, well, I'm, here I'm talking about the opportunity. Or no, I'm, so the first article, um, which was Dear Diary, is talking about what probably everybody like myself or fan would like to see, uh, a more competitive Ghana uh, and, and, and a nation which provides opportunity. And then obviously in the second article I'm talking about, um, which is the rethinking of the valuations of soccer clubs in Ghana, I'm talking about the opportunities that are actually available. And in the next article that I'm going to go over very briefly is the article which we published the other day, which is Ghanaian football and sustainability, the value or importance of, of sorry, Ghanaian football and sustainability, the value or importance of, 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 of uh, la, 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 la. Ghanaian football and sustainability, the value or importance of player sales development. Oh, that's not quite right. Player sales and development. So I'm going to read just a couple of paragraphs of this as well. 
Football is the most popular sport in Ghana, and the Ghanaian Premier League is the top professional football league in the country. However, the financial realities of Ghanaian football are vastly different from those in the top leagues in Europe. In the English Premier League, for example, staying in the top flight is crucial for financial sustainability, with the league's revenue reaching a record high of 5.2 billion in the year 2019-20. In contrast, in Ghana, the rewards are far greater from player sales, with the average transfer fee for a Ghanaian player being around 150,000. Sorry, this is an article that I've actually published, but I'm actually unsure on this figure. But I'm gonna I'm, these are facts and things that have been drawn out, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna continue with that. But I do question it. For Ghanaian football clubs, the primary source of revenue is typically the sale of players to European clubs. This is due in part to the relatively low revenues generated by the domestic league. According to the Ghanaian Football Association, the average attendance for matches in the 2019-20 season was just over 2,000 fans per game. By comparison, the English Premier League regularly attracts crowds of tens of thousands per game, leading to greater revenue from ticket sales and merchandise. Despite the financial challenges faced by Ghanaian clubs, the country has produced many talented footballers who have gone on to have successful careers in Europe. One example is Michael Essien, who began his career with Liberty Professionals in Ghana before moving to the French club Bastia and later signing with Chelsea in the Premier League. Essien's transfer fee alone was reported £38 million. Last sentence for myself anyway, the article continues. The sale of players like Essien provides a significant injection of revenue for Ghanaian clubs. Ah, let me continue. But it also has wider implications for sustainability of football in the country. By investing in youth development and scouting talent from a young age, clubs can cultivate talented players who can eventually be sold for substantial fees. This can help sustain the clubs financially and also provide opportunities for young players to pursue careers in the professional game. That actually hits the nail on the head in regards to what I want to go on to next. And our final article, it's not even fair, I'm not even going to read the article, it's in regards to Christian Atsu. And obviously the, the article that I put out, and I'll see the title itself was Christian Atsu, the symbol and Ghanaian dream. And the reason why I say that, and his passing was really, really unfortunate, but I think some of the first things, or one of the first things that went into my head was... Um, Um, yeah, I think it's fair to say, I mean, the, the word legend, I think, is just thrown around. But um, and the re I think the reason why I use symbol rather than legend, and I think they can be interchangeable, is because, as I say in this article, I think he was one of the first individuals who I knew at his young age played for FC Porto. And I say he played for FC Porto, I think he went into the academy and certainly made first team appearances. And then from there, I think after his first full season at Porto, he transferred to, to Chelsea, which was, again, which was a big transfer. And obviously, I know Essien had played for Chelsea, but for someone at his age to then go to play for Chelsea, I thought it was a massive landmark and a massive milestone. Um, so I was really, really impressed by that. And yeah, I was really impressed by that. And again, it leads me back to... Sorry, apologies, that noise that's getting on my bloody nerves. Um, I may pause the podcast for just a moment. Hi guys, I'm back. Um, I think where we were, we were talking about Krishinatsu and his legacy and him being a symbol. And I think what I kind of wanted to articulate was, is for his feats and his for many successes in professional football and from where he came from, I think he's a massive symbol for those who actually want to get into the professional game, both boys and girls in Ghana, even outside Ghana, but I'll see more so in Ghana because of his success um, and him obviously playing for the national team. And it actually draws contrast actually 
in some respect to, and I know I keep harping back onto it, and I think it brings about a full circle, actually, in regards to player development and then going to a professional football club or being educated or going to um, a university and then potentially playing professional football as to football being quite holistic. Um, but my point being, also I know I was going to add to, to the right to dream model, but Christian Atsu went on to play for, for Ghana several times, you know, and actually became, I think it was, oh no. I think he was the, the player of the tournament, I think in the AFCONs in 2015 or 2019 or 2017 or one of those years anyway, it's in the article. But my point being is he's a huge symbol for the actual model for what takes place on the ground in Ghana. And I think that should be highlighted. I think that should be highlighted, you know, but it brings about the question or my original question as to why don't we see more players involved in the ownership model? And it might be a case of it being too early, but I think it's important to ask the question. I think the reason why it's important to ask the question is because of, of because of examples like Christian Atsu, and I think it's more likely we'll see those examples. I think with people like us or those who are, who have been involved in a professional game, for those who have been involved in those journeys, um, yeah, I think you're more likely to see it in some respect. In that it, they 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 can provide a perspective or they can provide a viewpoint in that they or that person once upon a time, you know. And actually, they don't necessarily need to be involved in an ownership model for that to take place but i think being involved in a in every single every single process of a professional football club i think a i think is a good thing to be fair to be part of the process but increases the likelihood of the processes being um actually it doesn't um i just i'll throw out what i was going to say i think it increases the likelihood of the processes being a bit more better but that that may or may not be true um, but before I finish off anyway, because not to say that there, there are answers to my question, I guess I'm just throwing out the question. I'm just throwing out the question and just providing some information. Uh, but to finish off the podcast, what I wanted to do is just throw a few examples of um, just just people who, who, who've been players who are now part of the ownership model. So um, I'm going to use basketball as an example. No, 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 no. We're going to, you know, basketball is thrown out there in some way, shape, or form. But uh, let me just read this. So, um, da, 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 so, something here says, which begs the question, would this us versus them dynamic change if athletes owned the teams they played for? We've seen several former players like Michael Jordan and more recently Derek Jeter enter the ownership ranks. We even see teams or we even have teams like the Green Bay, the Green Bay backers where fans can own the share of the team. And I think even ownership models, I think, are a fantastic conversation as a German football under 50 plus one. But the individuals I wanted to talk about, actually, it wasn't Michael Jordan or Derek Jeter, to which I don't know much about them. It was in regards to Le LeBron James and him having some form of ownership in Liverpool, which I think is really, really important, you know. Um, but again, you know, um, as to the development of Ghanaian football and its sustainability, and I guess with the, again, I'm not pocket watching, but with the wealth the wealth or the money that they would have earned throughout their careers, I think it would be fantastic or I think it would be great for the sustainability of football in Ghana if they were a part of the process. And I think that's where I'll leave it. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode. We'll be posting as usual via social media, keeping up with the stories and unfold in the coming weeks. As always, you're going to need questionable queries, email us at teamgarnau at gmail.com or tweet or DM us at teamgarnau on IG or Twitter. Thank you. Take care. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you.